Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, I'm Clive Anderson. Welcome to My Seven Wonders. In ancient times, hanging gardens, great pyramids and other superstructures were celebrated as wonders of the world. And like days of the week and deadly sins, there were always seven of them. But what are the seven wonders you would put on your personal list? That's the question I ask my guests in this podcast. And the guest I'm asking today is the stand-up comedian, writer, actress and broadcaster, Olga Koch. So, thank you very much. Oh. Yes, yes, yes. Um, Hi. So, Hi. so Olga, I hope that's uh, reasonable to describe you as a, a Russian comedian. I think you're officially British now, aren't you? I am. I am yeah. I'm, I'm both. And I sound like neither. Yeah. So okay, so did you have to go through all that procedure of proving that you knew uh, who uh, who starred in Only Fools and Horses to prove that you were really Oh, British? yeah, you're on the test. Did you know that? Am I? No. no. <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> but I think you should be. I think you should be every year. Well, I doubt it. I doubt it. But uh, so, so you've done all that procedure. But so you you started life in, uh, is it St. Petersburg? You started yeah. And uh, what sort of age were you when you left St. Petersburg? So I lived um, in St. Petersburg until I was two, but I lived in Russia until I was 14. Then I moved here, but I went to an American school, and that's why I sound the way that all I All right. So an American school in England. Yeah, in Staines, of all places. Staines. <laughs> <laughs> Always sounds such an attractive place, doesn't it? Staines. <laughs> Maidenhead, Staines. All those lovely names around there. But um, uh, no, sorry, I didn't mean to link those quite. Uh, sorry, sorry. I'm just thinking of weird <laughs> names. That, uh, so, uh, and then you, I think you went to university in America as well. Yes, so. and then I came back here. All right, okay. And uh, just, to, just to establish what you're doing here now, you're do, you've been to the Edinburgh Festival before. What's your, what's your show this year called? This year, my show is called Prawn Cocktail, is on at Monkey Barrel, and it's on at 7.35 every day. All right. Well, we should be finished minutes before that, so we can, <laughs> we can get you back there. Uh, um, so I can tell from your uh, wonders that uh, stand-up comedy plays an important part in your life, and indeed Edinburgh. We'll, 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 uh, yeah, we'll come to that. So, so, you, so you, you do comedy, but you went at university. You were studying, is it computer science, yes. mathematics, th- those sort of things? Um, I studied computer science uh, for undergrad, and I got a master's in social science of the internet. And I worked at, for tech companies for like six or seven years. Right. So that's, that's just a hobby. This is my job. <laughs> well, that sounds like uh, that sounds like a you know important uh, career that you could have could have been following. There, it's a it's an expanding area that you, people who know about that sort of stuff are, are in big demand. But there's not nearly enough as much money as there is in radio comedy. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate the irony of that. <laughs> Well, now you're on a podcast as well. <laughs> Barry Cried, if you, you know who I mean by that, he's an old-time comedian and uh, uh, scriptwriter. He had a great line about, he said, podcasts. He said, God, podcasts? They're marvellous. I didn't think it was possible to pay less than radio. <laughs> uh, but uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, so so you came to England with your family, to, uh, to Surrey, uh, with your family. Now, your, it looks like, from what I've got noted about it, your father sounded like a rather important person I in Russia. I thank you, and I don't want to assume you may be lifting facts from my wikipedia page I which may is well, actually yes. inaccurate oh do you know tell me about it my <laughs> wikipedia page what are the lies on yours well uh, it's unfortunately we changed. can go all edit it yeah. right now no i'm a big fan of wikipedia but they had my height wrong which almost got me apart oh, no. in an italian um a, 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 a film or tv series set in italy because they, they had my height done at something like five foot. And uh, so, so and the, the part I was auditioning for, and I'm not very tall, but I'm a bit taller than that. Uh, so it required me to be doing the scene and, and then like a Danny DeVito way, then stand up and be sort of shorter standing up than I was right. sitting down. So I, you know, I self... It is a great gag. Yes. When that yeah, yeah. Anyway, that's my, that's my wig. So, so I've missed... I've got the misinformation from your Wikipedia. Yes, fake news. Um, so so your, why did your father and mother and you come to 
to Britain. And so not- I came here, but they went to Germany. But essentially, our entire family was escaping Russia because my dad's wanted. All right. And if any of that sounds interesting to you, you can check out Fight on Radio 4, which okay. is my special that details all of that. All right. So that sounds, I know this is a sort of light-hearted conversation, but that sounds quite <laughs> quite serious to be yeah. uh, the, the, the new stories that we see about uh, uh, Russians who are not popular with other Russians. Sometimes it ends with them, uh, you know, falling to their death from a basement window, that sort of thing. It's, uh, it's, uh, so this may be more of a worry to you than I'm... Uh, the amount of times I'm asked just generally, very casually, can this get you into trouble? And my only answer is, we're going to have to wait and see. All right. So, I, well, I won't press you on your views uh, of... Uh, um... I'm on Ukraine's side. <laughs> just to be... Oh, oh that's, well, a hey. ve- that's a very low bar for uh, applause, uh, but just to be perfectly clear. Yeah, that's a crowd. <laughs> no, I have, I've seen you on television talking about uh, okay. uh, President Putin and his uh, his funny ways if that's the uh... yeah i said i don't I'm, i apologize this is an early afternoon show yeah. but i i have been on television saying vladimir putin you can suck my dick so if, if anyone doesn't know what my views are i hope that's clear it's clear in some ways but uh... <laughs> <laughs> let's let us, let us stray on to your 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 wonders your first wonder that i've, I've written down as you sent them in um monkey barrel bathrooms now monkey barrel is where you're doing your show so you're using bathrooms in the sort of american use of bathrooms you you mean uh lavatories toilets yes uh, loos that, yes. that sort of. yeah, so yeah, yeah. so i'm a, a fairly familiar with the backstage area of a variety of venues grand and not so grand what what are you saying about the monkey barrel bathrooms then so, first of all, there's a special place in my heart for Monkey Barrel, the venue, because I do think, um, maybe I am biased, but it's the greatest comedy venue in the city. It's oh. a comedy club year-round, much like The Stand. So, yes. when other acts have to go into, like, a shipping container and have to spend five to ten minutes sort of explaining to people that they're yeah. not being human trafficked and they are, in fact, in a comedy show. Yes. Um, uh, the acts at Monkey Barrel and The Stand have the, the sort of privilege of going on to stage in a comedy club and not having to explain themselves. No, so it's a, it's a regularly, and presumably, therefore, very well pointed backstage it's area. It's wonderful. Okay. It's, it's a wonderful, wonderful place. Everyone yeah. who works there is wonderful. But specifically for Edinburgh, yes. Um, the what a, what a way to start my seven wonders. Yeah. Every bathroom, it's like it's its own unit with a sink and a mirror, which is nice. Yeah. Uh, and then they have Wi-Fi, which is in a city with this little reception, a treat. Yes. So Wi-Fi in the weeing area is... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's a plus well, yeah, one. You get your own sink as well. Yeah. I mean, I think I, 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 it's the little things. I've been here for a very long time. Yes. Well, uh, I, I can see how you might appreciate it. When uh, when comedy, stand-up comedy was kind of reinvented for youngish, well, young people in this country, in uh, by the UK, it started the, uh, the thing called the Comedy Store in London. And I can tell you the um, facilities there backstage were not great. Uh, in their second incarnation, there was a dressing room for everybody, male and female, and there was a sink in the corner. That was, a, that was about it, unless you wanted to mingle with the audience, which sometimes you didn't want to do. I'd say, yeah, I'd say one of the, one of the most... Um, what they don't tell you when you start out comedy is the amount of green rooms that have a toilet behind a very paper-thin wall where everybody else is sitting. So you'll be on a bill doing five minutes with like your comedy hero. Yeah. And then you're either not going to the bathroom or having Stuart Lee hear you pee. Yes. <laughs> that... Yeah. Okay. Now you're all ma- making that decision in your heads. Would you do it? <laughs> well, it's not necessarily that much better if you're in a... Or listening then... to Stuart Lee No, pee. no. Well, I... I, I... <laughs> <laughs> there's there's an old story about Marilyn Monroe when she who's that who's that intellectual that she married in one of her Arthur Miller so I think it's a made up story but anyway she was at visiting the Miller family his parents and things and she had to go and have a, a pee uh, but she was in embarrassed. Thank you for putting into an accent I would understand. No, <laughs> I could see that you changing weed to pee in your yeah. head. So she, I don't, know, I don't know which is the correct. Well, it's not too silly anyway. Anyway, so she was embarrassed about something. So she ran the tap while she was doing it. And then afterwards, she left. He said to his parents, "You know, what do you think of her?" And the old father said, "Yeah, yeah, she was all right. Uh, but it's actually better in Yiddish. But I'm not going to get it right. But yeah, she's all right. But but she pisses like a horse." <laughs> <laughs> 
But I think that's an old story they just attached yeah, to, yeah, yeah, to Marilyn yeah, yeah, Monroe. Yeah. But uh, anyway, so, um, yeah, if, if you grand theatres in the West End of London on, on Broadway, for all I know, they have pretty ropey facilities backstage. So so Monkey Barrel, this is this is not an ironic selection. It just happens to have very good bathrooms. Yeah, fantastic. Bath- I mean, also yeah. just a fantastic venue with yeah. fantastic acts and staff. But yeah. also, while yeah. you're there, check out the bathrooms. Okay. Uh, so... You, when did you start doing comedy? Was this something you were doing before you took up computer science or as a reaction to computer computer work? Or, or how did it work? I think coming from um, an Eastern European country and Eastern European mentality, I don't think anything artistic was ever on the cards for me when it came to university. So Wait, was, I mean, there's a lot of artistic people come from Eastern European. And, you know, yeah, Russia is a home of, of novels, of, of ballet, of opera. But that comes from, um, that doesn't come from university. That comes from suffering. Um, so (laughs) we we don't go to university for art no Um, so it was it was always going to be a very limited selection of like chemistry math physics yes and i'd say of all of them computer science is just the easiest well not to everybody because a lot of us have to use computers in our everyday life but we're not confident of coping with them when they go wrong or so this is being expert in computers is uh, is like gold dust, isn't it? I I, I, I wouldn't know. I so I'm sounding like a parent trying to encourage you <laughs> to go back to do yeah, your I'll sensible work. Yeah, go back. I'm sorry, yeah. Dad. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, um, but did you do it at uh, which university were you at in America? Was it one New York University? New- NYU. So the oh, there's another Yelp of approval. Oh, did you there, go to I NYU? Think. Yes. Okay. Oh, cool. So- <laughs> Rather quiet for an American, if I may say so, but uh, <laughs> not to trade in stereotypes. But um, normally, if you do a show with them, and wherever you mention them, they go, hey! Whereas you ask somebody British where they come from, especially in London, they'll say, well, it's sort of like Barnes, but it's just not quite, it's in a different area. Uh, so, um, so were you doing it as, as, a, as a student? Would you do comedy turns there? or just Yeah, come- I was doing sketch comedy at the university. I was taking classes and working at Upright Citizens Brigade Theatre. So it was like my entire life was comedy. And then I was also doing um, computer science. Yes. For... for- for the job. Yes. And do, you, do you employ uh, any, any of your computer skills in putting your shows together? Definitely. So my second show was about computer science. My current show is about my master's degree, which is more of a social science degree. Yes. To do with the internet. Yeah. Um, and I also have a Radio 4 show called OK Computer. And every episode we take a computer science concept and we put it in layman's terms. Yes. So, yes, I very much use computer science and all okay, of my so it's, it's all brought, in, brought together. Excellent. So, monkey barrel bathrooms. Now, this is going to sound... I'm just going to read out what you I said. I you said the pyramids. People, no, people are going to now think we're going, uh, staying in the same area. Well, we're not, because your next one is the bucket speech. But this is nothing to do with bathrooms. That's this not that sort of bucket, is it? I, my, all of my wonders are Edinburgh Fringe themed. Yes. Because I thought it would be cute. And also because when you're at the Edinburgh Fringe, you, the world outside of it doesn't really exist. I sort of understand that, but that you're taking an unusual route with the wonders of the world to just talk about things you're doing <laughs> today and yesterday <laughs> most people see it as an opportunity to bring in their interests from I can't where, go big, like big, the, big picture. the sunset you know over the, the, the St. Petersburg over the monkey barrel bathrooms <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> over the St. Petersburg, St. Petersburg skyline or the site of uh, uh, England when you first uh, landed in Surrey <laughs> or, uh, <laughs> why is that funny is it just stains at 7pm gorgeous <laughs> <laughs> no place I'd rather be yeah. So I've got, I've got rather taken with the idea of Surrey. I, I was imagining sort of green, green and pleasant land, but I suppose if it's it's a bit more urban than that and stainsy, it's probably not as exciting. Yeah, it's like a Pizza Hut next to a view. It's yes. Not... Okay. Well, anyway, other but it's things... my Pizza Hut next to my yeah. view. But other things in your life other right. than just what you're doing at the no, moment. No, 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 I'm sticking. I'm sticking to the Edinburgh Fringe. Yes. Okay. The bucket speech. Yeah. So I'm sure people here have been to either free or pay what you want shows, but I feel like there's an institution of the bucket speech, yes. which is the speech that acts do at the end when they're uh, trying to solicit yeah. money from the audience. So is everybody familiar with this, the free fringe, where you don't have to pay in advance, you turn up and you have to then uh, sit there agonising of, oh no, I didn't bring any cash with me, how, how am I going to get out? Yeah. So, oh, they've got one of those readers, oh, can you yeah, trust yeah. people? Uh, so so you've done this with the free fringe, have you? Absolutely, yeah. yes. And so yeah. I think, because like most of the material you write is obviously your own, but when it comes to the bucket speech, it's just sort of become almost like folkloric, where like what jokes you use for it. Oh, right. So it'd be like, it's free to get in, but not free to get out. Like yes. that sort of fun stuff. And there's like people will be exchanging them and making like 
twist on the old classics and I just absolutely adore it. Yeah. And then like you'll get together and be like, okay, what's your bucket speech? Like, are you doing <laughs> guilt? Are you doing fun? Yes. <laughs> so um, to, uh, is that now behind you now? You don't do free fringe. You're now in a, you know, booked and paid for. I charity. collect money, but I collect money for charity um, okay. um, at my gig. But again, I also have a gag for it. Because I collect all the money for Kiev Pride, which is an LGBTQ charity in Ukraine. And then say, but the rest of the money is going towards a very promising cryptocurrency. Yes. <laughs> which gets a laugh. Which yes. gets a laugh yeah. sometimes. So you, yeah. it's, I just love how it's beca become a format in and of itself, the yeah. bucket speech. And uh, do you find audience... Oh my God, one where you were like, okay, take your, ch take your change and fold it. Come yeah. on. Yes. Come on. Oh, yeah. God, I love a good bucket speech. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and do, you, do the audience react well to that? Is this, It's kind of a relaxing bit of, although they may be worried about how much money to give, it's a relaxing bit of comedy that they they haven't got to concentrate. They, they, oh, I understand. She's asking or he's yeah. asking for money. Depending. But I, I hate to over-intellectualize it. I'm sorry. I hate to over-intellectualize it, but I, I, essentially, what is comedy if not tension release? And where, where is there more tension than in if someone asking you for money yeah. and standing at the door and you have to leave without paying them and looking them in the eye? Oh. And so the fact that you can write a joke that releases that great attention, yes. that's, that's brilliant. Oh, but I think takes a twig five pounds and then put the wallet. Come on, yeah. So that requires that does require the audience to have to think in advance. If you can't come with no money, but it's no good, you know, having been just paid some debt with a fifty pound note, and that's all you've got because <laughs> uh, you. Oh, I can't give fifty pounds for for one. Well, thing. some bucket speeches are worth fifty pounds. No, yes, well, you may think that, but not, <laughs> not, not necessarily. Um, so it's. So that's another side of the sort of showbiz aspect, uh, you know, not very showbizy aspect of of doing comedy. If you're actually having to try and get people to pay on the on the spot, this is, it's more like busking, isn't it? It's. I mean, I, I, I suppose there's there's a lot to be said about th that format, but I think it's it's also kind of wonderful that it it's become a format in and of itself. Yes. Sort of like a, I don't know, like a, a horse walks into a bar yeah. format, or why did the chicken cross the road? Yeah. Indeed. So the uh... <laughs> chickens are what got me into show business. <laughs> I saw a chicken crossing the road and I said, I, I got things to say. Okay. <laughs> and is there a tradition? I don't you left when you were quite young, perhaps, but is there a tradition in Russia of stand up comedy or has it uh, always been a bit uh, dangerous to be, uh, say, topically critical of the, the government? There are, there's loads of stand-up comedy and there's been a recent boom, but there's always been a tradition of sort of almost like storytelling, maybe like short story writers. They'll come on stage and they'll read their short stories. Yeah. Then there's like a huge sketch comedy tradition uh, where sketch comedy teams from different universities yeah. uh, compete on TV and people will do it so professionally that they will like age graduate university but stay in those teams. Yes. Um, but I'd, I'd say like the, the most distinctive part of russian comedy is anecdote which which is anecdotes but not yeah. really they're like short they're short stories that they're like they're longer than a joke yes but they're but they're like they belong to the people so yeah. no no they're not authored yeah and you just exchange them from a very young age and and other than those would people be able to make jokes about the you know the current government uh especially at the moment in in, uh, in interpersonally Moscow. yes but obviously not on in any no. on any public forum so you're you're suggesting earlier on you were saying well, well it's, it's risky for you to make job is it genuinely risky for people when they're around the world uh, making remarks about things back home in russia i think i mean i think it, dep it depends on where you are i, f I feel i don't i don't want to jinx it i feel <laughs> i feel dizzy uh <laughs> no <laughs> I mean, no, obviously people who are on the ground in, in Russia don't feel comfortable doing this. Yes. And I just gigged in India and in India like that, that's it's, it's really interesting to leave a country, the UK, where everyone's talking about how you can't say anything these days and then gig in India where truly you can get arrested <laughs> for criticizing the government in yes. any capacity. And it really p puts things into perspective. Well, I was just thinking about your personal position because I've, I've, I've seen clips of you on, um, uh, you know, television pr program or two talking about. Um, you know the current president in in Russia and and his strange ways. Um, so you are, we, are you scared? No, I'm not. <laughs> you I'm can not say bad stuff. I, 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 I don't know. I don't want to push you into anything you don't want to talk about now. But you've done it on television. Yeah, so yeah, I just, yeah. Um, but but are you are you just saying? Oh, it is a bit weird. Or are you genuinely fear there might be repercussions? I don't really think about it that much. I mean, I feel, I feel, I don't feel safe going to Russia if that, if that, if that helps. Yeah. My 
feeling or inkling is that I don't think they'd go through the trouble of poisoning me because I don't know anything. I just have opinions. Yes. The people they kill usually are like XKGB people who have intel. I don't got intel. I just, I'm just mad. Okay. So you you can be as, as uh, opinionated as you this like. I don't know. This is what, I, this is right, what I've okay. told myself. All right. All right. You, I do. Well, let's get back to your more comfortable things. area, which is back talking about the uh, Edinburgh Festival Fringe. Flyerers. Flyer, people handing out flyers. They're the heroes. They're yeah. the heroes of the Fringe. Yes. I truly believe that we as acts are a backdrop for a bunch of teenage flyers to, for falling in love with each other. Yes. I just, I keep, ima like, imagine being 19 and so excited and you're flyering for some show and then there's there's a, a cute boy flyering for the show at the same exact time, but it's a different show and yeah. you're rivals and then it's like, you see a person approaching, you're like, who's going to fly them first and you hate each other, but then you fall in love. Well, that could be your next year's show. You could do a, a play about that. All I'm too old to live it, but I can write. You it. could write about your recollection. But is this all out of your imagination? Are you I just adore, I adore yeah. like street teams. They're the they're the backbone of yeah. the, this festival. They're amazing. Well, I don't know if it happens at other festivals. It's, to me, it seems a unique Edinburgh Absolutely. institution, yeah. and I'm never quite sure how effective it is because I I've often asked, oh, what's the point of the? Surely not many people get a thing. Oh, yeah, I'll go to do that now. But I'm assured that people do. do, do would, I don't know if the audience would agree that you do get a, a flyer and then you go, oh, I'll, yeah, yeah, okay, that's. Uh, so I love talking to flyers about their flying techniques as yes. well because they will like profile a person on the spot and be like, "Would you like the show yeah. or not?" Yes. Or they'll decide which hook to use with them. I think I think it's brilliant. It's yeah. like the most analog, on the ground marketing that yeah. we have. Well, when I'm wandering around, I always think it's polite to take the fly. If it's offered yeah. to me, I always take it. So that means once you take one, you end up taking 20 in a short space of time. So I'm now clutching, you know, butter. But other times, I think my seniority, if I put it like that, they sometimes look at me quickly and think, no, nah, it's no point giving somebody. This is, <laughs> he's, he's not for our sort of show. <laughs> uh, so that, it sort of oscillates between through. So sometimes I can walk through the ground and get none. Other times I can hardly, you know, stagger home with all the... All the, all the all the flyers, but so do you have a team of people flyering for your show, and are you a, a benign employer? I'm I the production company that I'm with um, yes. have flyers, but they're amazing. Yes. they're like they're they're just running on enthusiasm alone. Yeah, so I, I'm saying I know only from Edinburgh. You've been around the world to different festivals and performances, maybe Australia, India. You've mentioned. Do you get flyers there? No, there's like the, this this. Everything about the fringe is unique to the fringe. Yes. Yeah. That's an overstatement, yeah. but a lot of things are. Yeah. So, how do you find traveling around the world? What's and and performing in different places? Uh, is is it much the same audiences you get in any part of anyway the English speaking world, or um, or is it a uh, you know different? You have to rethink it every time you go to I don't know Melbourne or Montreal or wherever you've had to perform. I think. I mean, again, to avoid platitudes, but. It, because of the internet, there is a sort of like flattening of audiences and there there are some references that you are feel like safe bets and you think that like we're all having yeah. these same conversations or we are aware of these news items and stuff. Yeah. That being said, I think because there is so much out there mm. and because of like culture compartmentalization, there are, it's very difficult to come up with like one pop star that everyone in every room is going to know, right? Yeah. Or like one athlete. I think maybe the last person that everyone in every room in the world would know would be like David Beckham. Ever since then, like if I say Taylor Swift, the, w one of the like biggest yeah. recording artists right now, I don't think my mom would know who that is. And so I think... Rishi Sunak is a big fan of Taylor Swift. <laughs> he's, been, he's just been to a concert of hers in America, I think. If, if I, or did I I dream that I have strange <laughs> dreams and I'm he did, no wait he went to a cycling class did he you went to a spin class oh yeah he went done, to a spin a no, he's done other things class. as well he can do, he, he, that's the only thing he's done in the last 10 years um but no I think I think Taylor Swift will be or you know Madonna was a bit you know, I think Ma Madonna would have been more ubiquitous than Taylor yeah. Swift is now which so I think it is interesting when it comes to sp like very specific cultural references that it's difficult to come up with something that appeals to everyone yes uh, uh, unless it's like from a hundred years ago um and so what one of the fun exercises is to sit down with the local and just go through every reference in your show and be like do you know this will this work or what is the local equivalent yes 
brands of chocolate. Exactly, oh, exactly. So I had a sort. whole like running ga- gag about blue Lay's, which is a type of uh, Lay's potato chip that's only sold in India. And and it was cool. It's cool that you get to have a punchline yes. that's like only yeah. local. It's awesome. Can, can I ask you about the English language? Uh, if, Please. Have I got the fact? I'm worried now. I've got a fact from Wikipedia. It might be wrong. Did, <laughs> did I get it right? You arrived in in the UK when you were 13. Was that the age you... you yeah, 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 I mean, yeah. Four, 14. But. Four, 13, 14, okay. Well, four, 14, even more so. Did you already speak English pretty well? So yeah. you were on, t- on top of things. So so you had... Uh, you, 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 But you've still got to fit in with the people at school. You pr- probably didn't speak exactly the same way. God, no, no, no. I mean, I think, again, when it comes to like flattening and cultural references, I watched a lot of American television in the original. And so that's sort of where I picked up my accent. Yes. I think people like Scandinavian people also do that. And that's why they have like all, all have American accents. Yes. Well, there's a strong tradition of learning English from the word you know, very young age in Scandinavia. I don't, I don't know what it's like. I mean, you're the second Russian person I... Just wait for this. They're the second Russian I've ever interviewed. The first one was Mikhail Gorbachev. <laughs> so the... <laughs> no, no way! Gorby! Yeah. Oh, wow! So that's oh. why I said wait for it. So now he didn't, he didn't what speak... What company? He, did, he didn't speak uh, English at all. He, he, so I had to interview him through a translator. And uh, I won't go on about it now because uh, I've, I've, I do a... Oh, a one-man show. It's called Me, Macbeth, and I. But he, his, my interviewing him features strongly in that. It's a long story. He's very, very funny and a very charming man to interview. But so, oh, so he it. obviously a very educated man. But I mean, I thought, I imagined he was just sort of saying he didn't speak English to give him a bit of protection for because it was like a comedy chat show. But my strong impression, he really didn't speak any English at all. So, uh, so, I, so maybe because you're obviously a much younger generation maybe english is more or maybe you just happen to go to a very good school in in uh, in st petersburg yeah i think after after the fall of the soviet union english was pretty ubiquitous and everybody was learning it yes. at school all right so he can take credit for that because uh, he led to the fall of <laughs> soviet union. i don't think that's what he meant to do but anyway <laughs> it, it, it did happen anyway uh, and uh, hats off to him charming interviewee so okay so that's flyers so this leads us uh, naturally, I suppose, onto your next uh, wonder, which is international acts. International acts. International acts. Yes. I love. I love watching international acts at the Fringe. I. I. So, sorry. It's this is my seven wonders are a love letter to the Fringe. Okay. Yes. I. I love seeing what's funny in other yeah. countries. Isn't that cool? Talking of international acts, I would say the most challenging set of uh, wonders that I've had to deal with, other than this one, uh, was from. Uh, I won't name him, but he's a, he's a comedian. And he's German, and he's very popular over here. <laughs> and I think as a joke against me, his wonders, he just sat literally in a hotel room and looked around the room. No. He did. So his wonders were mirrors, windows. <laughs> and he went through everything you could see from a hotel room. That's and eventually, like Franz Kafka's seven wonders. Well, it, it was, well, his last one was hinges on doors. Now, it was quite a funny... <laughs> It was quite a funny interview, but I don't think he was really desperately trying to reveal things about things he liked or respected. And I just wonder if this is your approach as well. You don't really want to uh, say what are your wonder, the wonders are in your life. So you thought, well, this would be a technique just to, just to do it about the, the fringe and its various aspects. I don't think so. I think I really <laughs> like international acts. I think, I mean, I, I guess that just this year I did... Um, stand up properly a- abroad for the first time in my life, and it yeah. really opened my eyes. To, and yeah. I just, I've just had this very, very white woman just turned thirty realization that like oh, the world is such a big place, <laughs> um, yeah. which is which is embarrassing that it took me so long to come to this realization. But it's it's so cool. So, what sort of international acts are you thinking about? The Lady Boys of Bangkok, uh, American comedians. Uh... No, um, so there's there's uh, a couple acts from India here who are brought over by Soho Theater. It's uh, Uruj, Saban, and Biswa. They're amazing and. And then you you like you watch them and you're like I've never se- I've never seen anything like this before but I love it and it's so cool yeah. like there's acts from Australia like um, Grace Jarvis Lou Wall um, Hannah Camilleri I mean they're they're all just incredible yeah and it, it's so interesting to see that like we have comedy in common as this language but they're they speak it in a completely different way I'm not saying about their accent I'm saying about their sensibilities and yeah. joke structures and rhythms um, and it's it's funny but it's so fresh it's it's quite a challenge though as we've already discussed you're getting getting the audience on your side with stuff that you're used to doing in a comfortable way but now you've got to adapt so 
Uh, I suppose it's better if you're an acrobat, so you, that is truly international. <laughs> have, have you ever been to uh, Montreal, you know, the Just for Laughs? No, no, Just I haven't. For, uh, well, that's, that's worth uh, exploring. It's been you know, on for years and years, but it started originally as a French language mm-hmm. show, and it's obviously it's English as well, which is, tends to be bigger because it's got, you know, a lot of American people. And, uh, and my French isn't bad, but I, so I wandered into the French side of things when I was there, and I found it very, very hard to get the jokes because that's, you need a very subtle understanding of language before you can get the wordplay or the subtle references. Yeah, yeah, so I, you know, I admire, I mean, I'd include you in this, but it were all the people who come from a different language background that they can perform or even be in the audience and understand uh, the various you know, slang-ridden comedy that you can you find yourself watching. Well, I tried performing stand-up in Russian and I bombed so hard. Yeah. Like, uh, uh, unbelievably bad, to the point where I, w- I would never do it again. So you're performing in Russian. Was it to a Russian audience? Yeah. Oh, right. And they hadn't. And no. It, it, was, it was horrendous. Yeah. yeah. Well, I was, you know, I, that's an interesting idea, that, because uh, someone like Eddie Izzard is determined to go around the world performing even in languages they don't speak. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I don't know how, I don't know how effective that is, but but if you're speaking in your your original language, you, you must be on top of the nuances. Uh, why would it, you maybe just had an off night the, the time you I, I think that the, knowing a language and performing in it are just two completely different things because yeah. I spoke fluent English at first when I started doing it. Yeah. But I couldn't perform. I bombed in English. So I think it's just... Maybe a, you just I, always bomb. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mean that. <laughs> uh, uh, um, well, I, I, other languages you speak as well? It's, uh, I speak German and I speak some French, but right. I wouldn't dare do stand up in any of them. No, I, well, because it comes to like word order, word play. Some puns don't work. Some, yeah. it's, like, I think one of the, and this is maybe me getting too granular with it, so I apologize. I apologize if I'm not being funny enough and I'm being too scientific, but listen to this yes. the, the thing the thing that really fascinates me in languages is that there there is very often not a one-to-one translation yes like even good in russian and good in english like they the the width of what they can describe is different yeah. and i think that's one of those things that is absolutely maddening because sometimes in comedy the thing that makes it funny is because like oh this word sometimes applies in this specific scenario yeah. and when you translate that word that's that's not a guarantee that it, it's that it has that wide of a description yeah. as well in that foreign language does that make sense yeah it does make sense and you you probably know more about it from the various languages point of view but but english famously has lots of different words for the same thing so yeah. and they develop their own subtle meanings because we have inputs from you know germanic roots and french roots and latin roots and Scandinavian, all going way back, and then lots of things coming in from America and around the world. Uh, so that makes for wordplay and things that probably don't translate exactly. into lots of other. I'm sure uh, German comedy is much more precise. It can't, it can't. <laughs> and it takes so much longer. Yeah. Uh, friend, every, uh, this, you know, in the way of Edinburgh, things are now blurring into my mind, but somebody, and I'll, I'll try to remember who it was, selected a particular sketch. Uh, which is an English language sketch about uh, an, an old woman and her butler uh, being. Has anyone seen this? Uh, and uh, it, but it's on television in Germany and Scandinavia every New Year's Eve. Uh, but it was it's Freddie Frinton who was a, uh, a famously famous act was being a drunk. That's he played being. A drunk. He wasn't a drunk, but he he played that. Now that's, that does sound funny. But it's English. It's an English comedy sketch, English language comedy sketch. Which do not. And but it's never seen in England or in in Britain because uh, it's it's looks old and stale and, and very long goes in it. But it's perfect in Germany. They love it. They can't. They can't. Uh, so it can translate sometimes in the most uh, bizarre ways from one language to another. It's I mean, it's almost like a silent uh, uh, silent comic imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt now imagine them getting even softer over time that's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Now here's uh, another odd wonder, if I may say so. Uh, your your next wonder is Rogue Child in the Audience. Oh, Oh, it happens every time. So I'm I'm not gonna lie, I'm a little bit of I can go blue on occasion. Yes. Um all my shows are always sixteen plus. Yeah. And inevitably there will be at least one show where some some really progressive parents um decide to overlook the label and yeah. um and it, and there will there will be an escorting of a child yeah. <laughs> with earmuffs, maybe forty five right. seconds into the show. So because that's because your act can be you do quite graphically in matters of uh, sex and sexuality. I'm quite of... open, I would say. Yes, and yeah. and I and I think it's very clear in the sixteen plus age uh, suggestion. But um, and then like we've all been in shows where there's like, oh, this kid is too young to watch this, and I just think that there is a mm. a delight in the in the sort of general panic of the audience who clock yes. what's happening on stage and then clock yeah. the kid and then you could just sort of see the panic spread. So what is the sort of cutoff? Because sometimes it's like say a 14 year old boy in the front row of the audience and the, the, yeah. the comedian will start talking about something a bit a bit saucy let's say yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah. And, and, the, and the kid is maybe a bit embarrassed but he's also enjoying it because, uh, <laughs> because, because he, knows he, he, he knows all about yeah, it anyway yeah, yeah, yeah. but if you go a lower age than that so yeah. much lower than age than that then is that when it becomes particularly rogue or difficult? And then at some point, when you when you see a six year old, you're like, I'm a bad person for saying this stuff. Yes. And you, then you have to be like, Oh, I gotta stop the gig. Mm. I can't change my my script. It's just I just feel like it's one of those like p- people delight in improv or people delight in audience interaction because like it's a unique experience that yeah. only that audience is ever going to have. Yes. And I think um, it's 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 just fun to throw a six year old in the sure. in the. Because the thing is, even if it's a it's it's a completely safe show, a six year old's not going to enjoy any show no. unless it's got bubbles. <laughs> I wonder, people, even if they're not professional comedians, can relate to this because quite often people have to make speeches at a wedding. Uh, if they're the best man speech or the father or the mother or the bride or the bride, they all get to make a speech. And inevitably, there are children at the wedding and you can tailor it to thinking, well, there'll be a 14-year-old. But if there's a 14-month-year-old <laughs> and they start crying, I wonder if that's what you meant by a, sort of a crying child. Oh, crying child is, all, is, is always lovely. <laughs> oh, I love a crying child. Makes it feel like you're in an airplane. Yeah. But they can cry just at the wrong point. If you you're leaving a pause for a yeah, uh, yeah, for yeah. a punchline, then they scream. They get a, a laugh or a reaction. You've lost your your <laughs> moment. But, yeah, you're always you yeah. cry. You feel competitive with a baby. <laughs> <laughs> so um, would would you require your management, as it were, to be a bit stricter about letting people in and turn people away at the door? Oh, that's a ten year old. That's uh, it's. Clever enough to understand the words, uh, but too young to really be introduced to the. I discussion. don't know what the policy is because I feel like if a, if a parent insists that they they're okay with it, then I guess they have to make that decision. Yes, but in the nature of things, they don't really know, do they? It's not like a, yeah. a film that you can sort of check out. But but with a stand-up act, um, I don't know how flexible you are in what you do. But uh, sometimes it might not be the same tonight as it was. Uh, two weeks ago. Whatever it is, it's never safe for a six-year-old. I yeah. can guarantee that. Yes. Okay. So, um, and have you had a? Uh, do you, do you get this every night, or is this every now and then? This is your nightmare. I don't, I'm not quite sure whether this is a wonder. It sounds like it's this. This is not something you welcome. Oh, but it's all. But it's so much fun because once the kid leaves, we all have a nice laugh. Yeah. Like okay. a light laugh of relief. Yeah. So do you call for security and have them yeah, escort the child yes. out? Yeah, 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 yeah. Take yeah. that child out with or without his parents. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So rogue child in the audience. Uh, now your next wonder uh, is pure Jim 
uh, at the Edinburgh Quarter Mile. Yeah. So 24 hours. It's a 24 hour party, baby. Yes. So uh, so Quarter Mile is that sort of development of. Uh, yeah. Very, posh. very new and sleek. Mm. So you're doing well, I assume, if you're staying there. Oh, your... no, I'm just going to the pure gym. Oh, OK, right. I'm, I'm just yeah. taking that lifestyle and wear, wearing it as a costume. So being a stand up comedian is not necessarily a healthy lifestyle, is it? You're no. often out late at night. Um, some people drink a lot. Some people f forget to eat. Some people eat very late at night. But it's oh, they, those things may or may not apply to you. But it, either way, you're correcting it or coping with it by being a regular attender at uh, gyms. Do you always go to gym every day or, or what? I try to. I'm going to be honest with you. That on the list is very door hinge adjacent. Yeah. Um, in, in that I went to <laughs> Pure Gym quarter mile this morning and I thought, all right, yes. let's check it on yeah. the list. I, I, yeah, I think I, I, I think it's reasonable to tell the audience that, that you very kindly agreed to do this at so, somewhat short notice. Uh, because of, uh, but so, I'm uh, having the time of my yeah, life. Thank yeah. you so no, no, much. No, no, absolutely no. This is no criticism. It's a thank you to you. So you did have to come up with your list rather quickly, and you stuck rigidly <laughs> to what you're doing today, uh, rather than <laughs> going back in any other aspect of your life. But but it's very kind of you to do it. So that's that, uh, that explains what uh, that means. But um, so you uh, so you go. So what do you do in the gym? What are you a uh, you know, you're a runner. You're a runner. Um, I do it rowing, all. I do it all. Weights. I did a triathlon this year. I'm very, I'm, I'm very into pushing my body where it yes. should, doesn't want to be pushed. But I think um, a 24 hour gym for a stand up comedian is delightful because if you have a bad gig, you just go to the gym and you punch it out. Oh yes, excellent. Yeah. You well, imagine that six year old child? No, yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. So you imagine joke. punching a six year old child? <laughs> that's a, that, that's a motivation for you. At, uh, that's an interesting aspect of your character where you have to think about. So, but triathlon—that's a really uh, hard work thing. Is that the one where you you cycle for miles and miles and miles, and then you all... swim and then you run, yeah. and then the demons are still in your head? Yeah. Yeah. So, and is this is this something you've always done as a you know you're an athletic person? Oh God, I think I mean I've, I've I try to. Yeah. I I do find I do find it odd. I do realize I put a, the gym on the, that list, but it really makes me upset whenever comedians talk about fitness. Yeah, because I'm like, well, that's not what you're meant to be. You're meant to be pathetic and broken. Yes, um, I don't. I don't want to know how good you are at running. Yeah, well, that's the. Tr uh, I mean, uh, yeah. Yeah, whenever a comedian's healthy, doesn't that put you off? Yeah, I, indeed. I, I don't like them. That they're too good looking either. Uh, <laughs> I, I want them to be self-deprecating at, yeah. at the highest and and complete whenever a comedian wreck has a six worst. pack, it's the it's it's wrong. Yes. So, so you, you should heckle. Uh, you know, I'm uh, canceling my membership. No, no, no. You're, you're, um, okay, so your your um, final, uh, your seventh and final uh, wonder is the fringe hour. So, what do you mean by the fringe hour? So, my first ever fringe that I came to was 2015 as a punter. I'd never been to the fringe before. I didn't know what it was. And then I remember sitting. I I won't even be able to tell you what show, but it was the first time I've ever seen a fringe comedy hour for an hour, and it blew my mind because I'd never seen that art form before. Right. Like my only exposure to the a comedy hour was like a, a classic American stand-up comedy hour where it's just like bits, jokes, bits, jokes, doesn't really tie together. Maybe a callback at the end, but yes. that's that that being it. Mm. And then seeing seeing this sort of what is the fringe hour if not like a hybrid of a, like a one woman show and a little bit of a one person play and it is stand up but it's also storytelling and a lot of the time it's multimedia and it's this like its own beast that doesn't really exist anywhere yeah. like occasionally it'll be a TV special but there's no such like there's no broad understanding of what that thing yeah. is until you go and see it so it's like a showcase hour you're talking about where, yes. the, where the bits and pieces of the fringe are put together best of the fringe so I'm not sure I'm really. Oh no, no, no! Yeah. I mean, I mean, like the like a a, a one hour show by uh, by any comedian. Oh, any comedian. So, yeah, okay. Sorry. A lot of the t a lot of the time, it sort of it will straddle a lot of genres. Yes. Like it won't necessarily just be jokes. It will yeah. be a lot of time people will be telling stories or even sharing trauma in yeah. a way that like will will use projectors and audio and lighting cues yeah. and like I don't know plants in the audience and all this stuff. Like I'd never seen anything like it before, and it it doesn't really exist outside the fringe in, in in like a large scale way but uh people who do like an hour show here yeah uh might then tour that hour around the country yeah. or or add to it and uh um and turn it into a whole evening a two-hour show in the theater yeah 
Um, so, but I think it's very rarely that those are the kinds of shows that then like end up as TV specials because the ones that do are usually more yeah. classic st- straight stand-up, right? Sure. Yeah. So this sort of like theatrical comedy, it's not something that I've ever seen before. So you're, so you're I'm just, just, just working out what you mean. So, so now you've got people who do a special on Netflix or something and they'll do a show in the theater for a while and then it's, eventually it's good enough and tight enough that it can be filmed and uh, away you go. Yes. Yes. Yeah. But I'm... So I don't maybe maybe I'm not explaining myself, but I, I guess like Richard Gadd's show Monkey See Monkey Do or Sam Campbell's show last year or Rose Matafea's show a couple of years ago, like all these shows, they're not just a person talking to a microphone and, and saying a list of jokes. Right. They like they they utilize various. Am I? Does that make sense? What I'm trying to do? Yeah, there. Well, well, a lot of yeah, it does, yeah. certainly does. But there's a lot of people who do one-hour shows, and some of them are just telling jokes. Yes. Some put other things in. Yes. You're, but you're saying the fringe are, but the ones that have more to them than just yeah, because I've never jokes. seen anything like it yeah. before. Okay. And I do think it it thrives and at at the fringe. Yeah. There's no r- r- real place where you could see that mm. all the time anywhere else. So when you were in America, you you came here in 2015, but when you were in America at university, did you go and see comedy clubs and improv clubs? Yeah. And so did you like also that sort of evening when you have like somebody doing 20 minutes and then a compare and then bring on somebody else? That sort of uh, comedy. Yeah. And I think, I mean, like, and I saw hour long shows in America, but they're, they're very much more straight stand up, just joke, 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 joke. Yeah. And I loved that. But I just, I think it opened my eyes as to what comedy could be so much more when I saw a fringe hour versus yeah. what just a straight stand up show yes. is. Because my first exposure to sort of stand up comedy was when it was lots of people in a, in a comedy store or wherever. And uh, they did 10 minutes or quarter of an hour. And you can still mm-hmm. see those those sort of shows. And there's an energy to those and an excitement. Oh, he's good. Oh, she was even better. Oh, I didn't, that, that two at the end were a yeah. bit weird for me. But oh, yeah, you liked it. And that, whereas, like a sampling platter. Yeah. But, and there was a sort of challenge for the performer as well because the audience didn't necessarily know who they were. And they might heckle a bit or they may go for it. Or Whereas a one-hour show with a named person Everybody has come along to see that person, and they're they're on their the, that person's side, which is great. But it's not quite so much of a challenge. Uh, do you want to say what I'm? Yeah, yeah, that? no, I completely agree. I think I think they're just trying to accomplish different things, both for the audiences and for the performers. Yeah. So the the, the my wonder is that like gorgeous art form that the, is the fringe the hour, the gorgeousness of it, and and of course it's expanded, expanded. People have been to lots of shows even before 2015. Uh, I go back a lot before imagine. then. Uh, it's the fringe has has uh, it sort of changes. It doesn't change. It's certainly got bigger and bigger and bigger. And that side of the fringe, uh, when I first came here, there wasn't really a stand up scene, hardly at all. It was sketches and university things, and there was a lot of comedy. But now it's it, it's it's almost overwhelmed with the. Uh, uh, with stand-up shows, and uh, and as you say, they they can vary in their structure. So so how does that relate? How does that apply to you then? You've got a done more than one hour of uh, appearing here, but what's the next step for you? Uh, would you say? I mean, I I love I love the hours in art form, and I think once I saw the fact that you didn't have to just be jokes. My my first show had like lots of visuals in it. My second show was like explaining computer science and comedy. Like yeah. I think once you realize that it doesn't just have to be jokes, it could be anything. Yes. So I want to write a musical. Seriously, or is yeah, that, no, yeah. genuinely, I yeah. do. <laughs> um, That's just, my next. Let's come on to the musical in a moment. But so in your shows, and if you're going to make make them more than just jokes, do you like to use a lot of audio visual stuff and, mm-hmm. and film clips and stuff you've you've made sound effects, computer generated things yeah so in my previous show last year it was called just friends it was a story told over an hour and the the device i was using was like a phone that kept receiving text messages throughout the show and it would have audience members read the text messages that the phone received right so that was fun yeah a lot of fun with that that's there's always fun. My worry, uh, either either doing something like that or what, even watching it, is that if there's any technology involved, it can go wrong on any given night. The uh, the the text messages can stop coming, or the oh yeah, the projection oh, yeah. of the film can can break down, and then you're obviously thrown back on your own resources. Or there's a an embarrassed, you know, gap while things. Or are a six year old who can't read. 
Yes. <laughs> or can read. It's even worse. <laughs> so, so a, a, a musical, which will be all, all an all evening musical, you're going to write. I basically this it's it's a bizarre bizarre idea. But my master's thesis was about um, people called reply guys, and that's an internet phenomenon phenomenon of men who interact with female public figures on the internet in like a very over familiar way. Right, um, they're called reply guys. They're called reply guys. So I they, we, I didn't know they were <laughs> called that, but uh, <laughs> yeah. So it's like yeah. they'll be just like random men who will sort of attach themselves to female public figures and yes. constantly interact with their content as if they're friends. Yeah. Um, and so I spent two years interviewing them and sort of getting to know them. Um, and so m- my dream is to write a musical. Um, that's sort of like almost like six, but it's all different types of reply guys. So what are sort of things that they say? I mean, uh, are they. They're not yeah. like I, people. People not, not always creepy, assume, or they are creepy. They're creepy, but in a like, it's not it, it, in a most like eerily harmless way. They'll yes. be like, "Hope you're doing okay. Hope you're having a nice day. Thinking about you." Like it's almost like they're checking out on a girlfriend as opposed to lusting over someone. Okay, uh, but yeah, yeah, they're interesting people. Yes. Uh, so we've, we've anyone <laughs> in any reply guys in? <laughs> so we've come to the end of your seven wonders as you came up with them but i'm still intrigued to know why you didn't include on your list of wonders something like uh the internet or the the world of computers which you know loads about oh and, i know so much and, about it and i despise it <laughs> well i was gonna say does, I think does that mean it's no longer wonderful to you because no, you know God, how no. for those of us who are users of it but don't understand it it remains something of a wonder uh that it's i mean i, I mean genuinely when i'm you know i'm researching some i have to remind myself sometimes i was first on television and i wanted to research a guest well i somebody would do it for me there'd be a researcher because they'd have to go to a press cuttings agency and find somewhere that happened to have pasted and cut things out of the papers and it was a laborious task now at three in the morning if i think i wonder if they were in i can do that myself and it, it's probably only been available, anything like that, for at most 20, 25 years. It's a one, this extraordinary wonder of the world. And we get cross if for some reason it's not, the Wi-Fi is not working. Yeah. You have to wait a minute. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's still quicker than the two weeks it would have taken. <laughs> the, so uh, have you, you've lost the sense of wonder of, uh, of Oh, I of think technology sort of is awful. I think it's terrible. You think it's terrible? Yeah, I think, I think in what you described... If I had to say the worst thing, the worst thing isn't waiting two weeks. It's the fact that we can't wait a minute. Yes. It's turned us into terrible monsters. Yes. And it stops those things. I don't know if it's a more a male thing than a female thing. of little discussions in the pub when somebody said, oh, yeah, he was definitely in such and such a film or he played for he, play, he played for, uh, for Albion Rovers in the second team. But now... <laughs> but now Somebody can just immediately look at, oh, no, you're, you're, no yeah, you he's right and he's wrong. You can't so, pick up a oh. woman with just trivia anymore. No, it's, no. it's hopeless. Uh, so, look, well, thank you very much, Olga, for sharing your wonders, even if they have concentrated rigorously on uh, just everything going on around us here. Uh, I have to now pick uh, a wonder of wonders, the wonder that uh, I think you've made the best argument for in all this. Um, I, I It's hard to pick because they're all fairly similar, but I think based on at any rate audience reaction I think rogue child in the audience thank you for sharing your wonders with us Olga Koch thank you so so much thank you thank you if you enjoyed this episode of My 7 Wonders it would be wonderful if you could rate and review us on Apple Spotify or wherever you found us thank you for listening My 7 Wonders with Clive Anderson is a stack production and part of the ACAST Creator Network. It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event, so give your friends something to look at, like a B&B with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824.